My husband and I, before we even got married, we knew we wanted to wait five years before starting to try a family. So after our fifth anniversary, I found out I was pregnant in March 2013, and I was so excited about this pregnancy. A lot of my friends had already started having kids, and I was just so ready to enter into this new world of motherhood. And I told just about everybody, I know there's this unspoken or maybe a spoken rule that you're not supposed to say anything until you're 12 weeks pregnant, but... um, because statistically the chances of you having a miscarriage go down significantly, but I couldn't wait. And I was telling everyone, even the teller at the bank. (laughs) We went to our OB and we got our confirmation that we were pregnant and then we went in for our eight week ultrasound and the baby was measuring about six weeks and we couldn't see a heartbeat. But they were like, maybe your dates are off, come back week and a half. So we did, but the baby was still measuring six weeks and we still couldn't see a heartbeat, and they tested my HCG levels, which is the pregnancy hormone, in my blood, and it had started to go down. Um, Especially at the beginning of pregnancy, that hormone skyrockets. So if it starts to go down, it means that there's a significant issue. So they told me I would be miscarrying. Um, My miscarriage started the Monday before Mother's Day. And now I had told all of these people, and I really didn't want to have to go back and tell them all in person again that I was no longer pregnant, So I decided to blog about it, and in it, I recounted the night I found out I would miscarry. Um, Posted April 26, 2013. That night, I had a talk with God. I remembered the times he had been there for me when I felt like there was no hope. He had a major role in my meeting Michael and in the job that I now have. So why would I even think he wasn't here now? I told him over and over that I trust him and that whatever purpose he had for me had to be even bigger than what I imagined. That blog post reached people who didn't even know I was pregnant, and it prompted all these women in my community to tell me their own miscarriage stories. I felt so much more normal the more that I heard those stories. I didn't feel isolated, and I didn't feel like a freak, and I was like, why aren't we talking about this more? Why isn't this a discussion in sex ed classes? You know, why isn't this a discussion among women in general since one in four have a miscarriage? And it just astounded me. So... I started writing more on my blog about my experiences trying to conceive, and I really wanted to emphasize the fact that value and worth don't change when you don't meet the standard expectations of society. And I felt like God had put this purpose on me so that my loss wasn't in vain. In the summer of 2014, I found out I was pregnant again. Um, Because miscarriage was the only experience I had, we went ahead and had some genetic tests done early on. Uh, It's the same test that people take now to find out gender, so we found out we were having a girl with no genetic anomalies. So we went ahead as a pregnant couple. We did our baby registry. We painted our nursery. We set up childbirthing classes. We toured hospitals. We had a baby shower scheduled for us a month before she was due. We went to our 20-week anatomy ultrasound, which is where they check everything, and everything was perfect. Brain was perfect, spine, no cleft palate, great heart, great kidneys, just a wonderful baby. And then somewhere between 20 and 24 weeks, I thought I was feeling her move, But then I didn't feel her move anymore. Um, Because I never had this experience before, I thought, that must have not been movement. You know, pregnant bodies do weird things. Um, But when I got to my 24-week appointment, the nurse who was doing all the preliminary check stuff, like weight and blood pressure, asked me if I was feeling the baby move. And my immediate reaction was to start sobbing. So she took me into an examination room and got the heartbeat monitor out and checked for a heartbeat and couldn't find it. She brought the doctor in. She checked for a heartbeat, and she couldn't find it either. And then they did an ultrasound and confirmed that she had passed away. 
Then the doctor told me I would have to deliver. When it's that far along, it's not actually a miscarriage, it's a stillbirth. And um, I was in shock, and now I was scared about delivering. That night I came home and asked God for a miracle, but if that wasn't the plan, that I trusted him. He'd already used my miscarriage to reach people, and this stillbirth could be used for his plan as well. I just begged that he not leave me and to show me his presence on this journey. My mom was able to come down. I was so thankful for that. It was the week of Thanksgiving, and the day before Thanksgiving, I went into the hospital, gave birth to my daughter, and went home empty-handed on Thanksgiving Day. But there were so many moments from God, and one week after I found out she passed away, I wrote this. Posted December 1st, 2014. There's absolutely no way I could be upright in typing without the strength of God in me. I'm reminded that I'm not alone in my loss, even in the, even in the Bible. Job lost all of his children, questioned God, and God answered him. I know that God will answer my questions, too. Plus, there are a myriad of stories of women in the Bible who struggled with infertility. Rachel, Sarah, Hannah, Elizabeth. I know that God understands my grief, and just based on the amount of stories included in the Bible, I know he has a special place in his heart for women who go through this at any level. Additionally, God has put women in my life that have been through what I have that I know are there for me. I don't think that was ever a coincidence that they are in my life. This situation sucks, but I know that God hasn't forsaken me. Like I've said before, God doesn't keep me from going through the storms, but he promises to be there every step of the way. So coming home on Thanksgiving Day from this ordeal, I don't think that was a coincidence either. God answered prayers that there were no complications, that the process happened quickly and with little physical pain. We have a community around us, some we don't even know, that have offered love and support throughout this ordeal as we heal both physically and emotionally. And for these reasons, we are truly grateful. I don't want to make light of this. I'm still going through this every day, day by day. Some moments are really hard. Some are easy. I imagine the easier moments will outweigh the harder ones eventually, but that's not the reality right now. I wanted to write all of this down for two reasons. One, to let others who may be going through something similar have some idea of what to expect, although every experience will be different, even made with different choices, and that's okay. And also that I can remember where I've been. I won't be here forever, and that knowledge along with the love and support around me, helps me go through each day, each minute, each moment towards healing. They did an autopsy on her and tests on me, but they don't know why she died. It became an unexplained fetal death. And my OB told me to wait six months to physically and emotionally heal. So we did. After six months, we started trying again. And then, in March 2016, I got pregnant, and I was super excited. Because of the unexplained fetal death in my history, I was a high-risk pregnancy. That meant that starting at 12 weeks every month, I would not only see my OB, but also an MFM, which stands for Maternal Fetal Medicine, or high-risk OB. So I got an ultrasound at this clinic every month. We found out we were having another girl. We found out she was, the day, she was due the day before Thanksgiving, which was the stillbirth day of my first daughter, and I thought this was going to be a great redemption story. 20 weeks went by. Everything was perfect. We even saw 3D images of this baby. Then 24 weeks went by, and she was still doing great. My regular OB even did an extra ultrasound at 24 weeks just to make sure, and she turned to me and said, I know that this is a high-risk pregnancy, but this baby is so healthy, and you are so healthy, and you're so young. This is really no indication of high risk. Two weeks later, I went to my scheduled MFM appointment, and everything was still going great. The only slight concern was that she was measuring in the 22 percentile in weight, but there were no indications of distress. And a lot of ultrasound weight measurements are inaccurate, so there really wasn't any cause for concern. 
<clears throat> the doctor said he wanted me to come in in two weeks just to make sure everything was okay. So we set the appointment and went home. I was going to see my regular OB in 10 days after, uh, for my 28-week appointment. So I just told myself I needed to make it through the next 10 days and everything would be okay. But my anxiety was getting worse and worse each day. And I was again wondering if I was feeling her move. Um, and it felt like deja vu all over again. The Sunday before I was supposed to go to my regular OB appointment, I called my OB and told her I was anxious, and she told me to go to the hospital and get checked out, so I did. And they put the fetal heart rate monitor on me, and they couldn't find the heartbeat. They used the Doppler and couldn't find the heartbeat. Then my OB arrived at that point, did an ultrasound, and I saw for myself on that ultrasound that my daughter's heart wasn't beating. And we were going to have to deliver another stillborn daughter all over again. That day, I sat down on my computer and wrote, I had my Jesus conversation there in the hospital when Michael stepped out to make some calls. It was different this time. I mean, it had a lot of the same elements, confusion, mourning, shock. But I felt stronger somehow, like God was already propping me up in that hospital bed. I could cry without collapsing. I could look directly at my fear and the unknown and embrace it. And that's when I realized that this is what being blessed by God is all about. It's about looking the devil in the face and saying, I'm not going to give up on my faith. I am stubbornly in love with the God of creation. Mm, It went as well as it could. Two days later, I show back up at the hospital. Six hours later, I give birth to another daughter born sleeping. Both my parents were able to come down this time, and I was really thankful for that. The following weeks and months were a roller coaster. I had other tests done. The conclusion was yet another unexplained fetal demise. During that Jesus conversation in the triage room, when we found out our second daughter passed away, I had this overwhelming sense that I needed to try again. It was this hope I couldn't shake. So I told Michael I wanted to try one more time. I continued to write about my experiences, frustrations, moments of feeling left out of society, but also about how much God loves me just where I am. I wrote about Sarah and Rachel, Leah, Ruth, Rebecca, and Elizabeth. I wrote about anxiety and faith and how the two seemingly contradictory terms could live quite nicely side by side. And then in September 2017, we found out we were pregnant for a fourth time. This time I made a weekly video about my progress because I felt compelled to share the story of anxiety and fear and hope and faith to people who were going through what I was going through. Week by week, the baby started to grow. We were having a boy. 20-week ultrasound was perfect. I was diagnosed with placenta previa that may cause complications, so I was monitored closely. I was also diagnosed with PTSD. At 32 weeks, I was hospitalized because the fetal monitor at my high-risk appointment showed a significant dip, so I went into observation for possible delivery, but there were no more occurrences, and after two days, I went home. At 36 weeks, the previa was gone. At 38 weeks, I delivered a beautiful, healthy baby boy. We named him Samuel because of 1 Samuel 1.20. She named him Samuel saying because I asked the Lord for him. I still deal with postpartum anxiety, which I take medication for, but I am so, so thankful that I get every day with this little boy. My faith is not dependent on answered prayers. It's built on the ever-present God guiding my steps in dark valleys. It's looking back over the low points of my life and the high points too and seeing the God of the universe making himself known around me and through me. It's being still, listening to God, and a lot of practiced breathing. And it's telling others that they aren't alone in whatever they're going through, allowing God to use me to make his presence known, just as he has used others in my life. While you may not have experienced pregnancy loss, though one in four women do, my story is not that uncommon. 
we all feel like there's a certain path to take in life. We get this notion from our society, our family, the media, even our own expectations. And then suddenly, without warning or cause, we are knocked off this path. And it can feel isolating, just watching others around us whiz by on the path we thought would be our own. But you are not alone. God is in the detours, and he will provide. For me, he provided community that surrounded me in prayer, encouragement, and support. He made himself known in so many ways, in conversations, in situations, in opportunities. So when tragedy hits or disappointments come, look for the fingerprints of God making himself known to you. He will never leave you or forsake you, and he will always guide you home, no matter what path it takes to get there.